Good morning. I've just been informed that live streaming is on. I still don't know if I see this on the video. And I still don't know how to... Uh, well, how to switch process. to gallery view rather than speaker view in the live streaming. Yeah, I don't know how to do that either. Couldn't figure it out. I haven't looked. I haven't. Anyway, all right, let's just... Whatever. It's, it's live. We're live. Welcome. Hi, good morning. Every, welcome, everyone, to season two, episode 19. It's our season finale. We've been doing this a year. Yeah, we have. We have a lot of episodes of this stuff. It's our second season. Does I don't know if like we're going to... So we're going to talk about whether we do a third or what we do for the third. Huh? Does it feel like a year? What did you ask? Does it feel like a year? Uh, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm very confused about the passing of time these days. It feels as, like a long as time. Illustrated it feels by, like it was yesterday. Yeah, as illustrated by your fun times yesterday. I had a time. big week. I was at a concert on Thursday. I started a new campaign, a role-playing game that is going to be uh, live streaming. Not live streaming, it's recorded and published on YouTube in French which is super exciting. I am very excited to play that game. Uh, we're going to play a game of the Dresden Files, <clears throat> which is mm -hmm. a series of uh, urban fantasy books in which the protagonist is a wizard, but he's a wizard like in a film noir, there's private a private dick, private investigator type wizard. And it's like, you know, happening here and now in Chicago, but there's supernatural forces, vampires, wizards and everything. And it's fun. It's a... Uh, it's a fun kind of romp uh, of a series of books. Like they're very easy to read. They're perfect for the summer. Thursday, I was at a concert. A friend came from Bordeaux and had tickets for this gig. And it was so good to be back at a live music concert and discovery of like a brand new band that I didn't know anything about. Uh, and it was so good. They have a fantastic show. Their storytelling is just amazing. A French band I didn't know anything about. And the story of the band is... And I, I'm sure it's like there's a part of truth, but of course there's a lot of fiction around it. The story is there are five uh, uh, childhood friends whose, they're men, uh, boys, they were boys, and their childhood friends, Lucienne, a girl, passed away when they were kids. So the concert is a ceremony in memory of the person who passed away. There's an urn with a small, like a small kind of like little thing with supposedly her ashes and one of the band members is the guru he's dressed all in white he is barefoot and he proceeds like you know he just tells he's uh, the master of ceremony and he's you know part guru part teacher part kind of daddy figure sometimes preacher he's a preacher as well between every song they have rituals and he says a few words and all the songs are a lot of the songs from their first album are all related to the relationship they had with this person who passed away um and it's just awesome it was great it was so so much fun and then yesterday i was at a barbecue until very late um yeah and people in france like to drink right uh yeah not as much and different than the uk i would say <clears throat> i like to drink <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the French people, uh, and this was a this was a English speaking barbecue because uh, it was the friends that I have from the uh, radio group. 
the writers who drink group. <laughs> <laughs> the, do you know, it's so interesting hearing you talk about live music because that doesn't sound just like it was about music. There's a whole story and yeah. show that goes yeah. with the music. Yeah, which is extremely strong in this day and age to be noticeable and to be noticed. I mean, we talk about storytelling a lot and I talk about storytelling a lot from a brand and marketing perspective. It was just, I was blown away by their show and their music is great. It's uh, it tends to be quite uh, lyrical. Um, how do you say that? Like folksy, I guess. Yeah. Folksy, uh, lyrical, the, you say lyrical. It, it's a mix, mix between, you know, kind of lyrical slash a bit going towards rap as in there's a lot of um, lyrics. Basically, there's, the the songs are very based on the lyrics. They're not heavy on. Uh, there's music as well, and there's a mix of different influences on the music side of things. And it's uh, no, it was great. I sent you some some clips. Yeah, great. I think the it's it's definitely a kind of we're moving into the summer. We're moving into the end of the academic out of year. the lockdown. The lockdown. Everything's is... reopening, and so I've had some. That's why I've had invitations and things going on, which has been. Just fantastic to be hanging out with people. I feel like I'm finally, you know, life is coming back into town, which is and into my life in general. Life is going back into my life. That didn't make any sense. I'm not going to make a lot of sense during this episode. I'm sorry. Should we? Well, should we? Like, this is a lot of a distraction from uh, the question. It's a tangent before we get to the question because yeah, the, I've been trying to avoid those a little bit. I think. No, no, no. We can't avoid this, the whole purpose of it. So the, we're definitely moving into, yes, things are opening up, but certainly for me, because I've been a teacher for so long, when we reach towards the end of the academic year, I'm thinking about the summer. I tend to become a bit more reflective and what am I going to do next or what's next year going to be like or a bit more planning ahead. So, and given that this is the season finale and we're going to have a chat soon in the next few weeks about where are we going with teaching tangents? This is a question from the form that you put out. So I don't, I can't remember who it came from, but it's okay. a very so. And there's two, there's there's two ways you can answer this. There's the the straightforward short answer, and then there's the let's see where it goes. So here's the question: How much money have you made from the podcast? <laughs> from this podcast. Yeah. Or my other podcast. Any, all, everything. Zero money. That's I made zero answer. money from the podcast. I made zero money from my other podcast and zero money from this podcast. I spent money on my other podcast, particularly not really on. Well, actually, no, I did spend money on this one insofar as I had the Zoom um, subscription. So. I spent, you know, about eighteen dollars for a year. That was mostly for this reason because I, I used it otherwise. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could say I spent at least, uh, I don't know, let's say one hundred and fifty dollars worth of Zoom subscription for this podcast. Uh, YouTube was free, and this we moved to this solution right now because it's free, and we haven't worked it out exactly. It's not broadcasting the way I wanted it to, but it's free for mm -hmm. me. My own podcast, I pay for a media hosting solution. Um, I use a free editing software. So my podcast, generally speaking, has cost me money more than earned anything. Um, in, in the US, I did treat it as a business expense. I treat it as indirectly 
well, no, but, but it's really difficult, if in, if not impossible, to measure indirectly whether it has, you know, given me or made me money, not um, not in any visible fashion that I would know of. Like nobody came around and said, hey, I listened to your podcast and I would like to talk about this business project I have going on. You know, now I had when I had business meetings, uh, you know, coffee meetings, introducing myself and talking about the fact that I have a podcast, it probably benefited from uh, a, you know, some kind of positive uplift, as in people having a positive perspective on who I am and the fact that I do that. Uh, people probably, presumably, enjoying to listen to the podcast, um, but I can't really measure. It's really difficult to measure that. I learned a lot with the podcast, uh, with this one and uh, my podcast because I interview guests a lot. But um, yeah, see, so as you said, there's a very short answer to that question. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm elaborating a little bit, but. Well, I have a question. Run out of things to say about it very soon. So if you have more, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do, because I think it segues nicely to the future, which I think we'll get to. But the you have ice cream for everyone. Yeah. And teaching tangents. That's it. Yeah. Well, uh, I had started a few other things. So right now, I have ice cream for everyone, teaching tangents. I had started and then I stopped, so I should pick it up at some point. Uh, Short videos. Uh, that were playful strategy weekly. My idea being that I was going to give like less than five minutes on stuff that I read from uh, studying uh, books about play Mm. and comparing them and giving examples with advertising communications. Um, I did a few episodes last year and then I stopped it, uh, but I should pick it up again. Um, I contribute and I participate to another podcast in French called Les Voix d'Altaride, which is definitely not business related at all. It's about um, tabletop role playing game theory. Um, well, that's another friend's theory. podcast. It's not huh? tabletop role playing game theory. Yes. Okay. I, I, let's not go there just now because that just sounds it's like a whole. Talking world. about design and intent. So you know how. The, so to design a game, you need okay. to think about what you want from it. And there's yeah. a lot of different ways to design a game. And there's a lot of different philosophies around what is it that you're designing and how you're designing it. So there's theories behind that. Now you say that, I get it. But until you said that, I never even thought of it. Yeah. Just so this is uh, this is where it joins back. And I, I talked about this on, with my last guest on, um, on the Ice Cream for Everyone podcast, where, <clears throat> sorry, the last episode we played, we actually played a role-playing game. I didn't interview her, uh, my guest, who was uh, Colleen Berg in Canada, and she happens to play Dungeons and Dragons, and I was looking, and she does my kind of job. So we talk about that a little bit. Uh-huh. But one of the points I made at the beginning of, of the podcast that I'm hoping there's a crossover uh, between people interested in role-playing games and people interested in strategy is the print is the idea of design. Uh, generally speaking. People who are interested in role-playing games and theory are interested in design because there's game design, as in one of the definitions of design is intent. So when you're designing something, you're providing intent and you're thinking about what is it that you're trying to accomplish, that's overall design. And that's where I am also a designer insofar as I design brand experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So anyway, so that's my friend Julien's podcast, Les Voix d'Altaride. Uh, that team also came onto my podcast once a few years ago. Uh, it's a French-speaking podcast, and uh, yeah, that's that's been going on. So, but um, you know, we're not making money. Actually, funny enough that you should mention that tomorrow we're going to record our season finale of that podcast, and the topic is going to be around people earning money from role-playing games, and or from podcasting, from derivative. Like, and we will talk about whether we thought about monetizing that podcast, why we're not monetizing that podcast, etc. Because there's been a trend going on that's been bigger and, and grew bigger during the pandemic, mm. uh, which is of people um, being dungeon masters, like giving providing Dungeons and Dragons game, but people pay them for that rather mm. than a group of friends, uh, which is an interesting trend. So there's you know there's stuff to talk about in that area. So we're probably going to talk about that tomorrow. I just realized, yeah, I'm going down to Julien's place because we did. What's funny, we did the season. The first of the season at his place, hoping that things would be reopening, and then we went back into lockdown, so it's been remote. So now, for the last episode of the season, we're going back to meet up in person, which would be nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the question originally was, how many podcasts do I have? That's it. Yeah. And how many how many episodes is there of ice cream for everyone? Uh, I can I don't seventy. I'm not sure. Wow, loads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I started in 2015. Late, uh, early 2016, really. But um, uh, I've not been, I'm, you know, it's one of my things. I've not been particularly assidu- um, assiduous. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, assiduous. Yeah. So as in one of the things that you read about when you read about content creation, any kind, mm-hmm. is to be um, uh, episode list is to be um, consistent. Whatever frequency you choose to publish at, yeah. to be consistent with it. And of course, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I don't know how many episodes I have. Oh, 87. There you go. I have 87 episodes. And they're all on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, they're on, uh, mostly, on, they are on YouTube and they're on video now. The latest episodes are in video format. And otherwise, you get them wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know. I I like the podcasting format. You know, I, I have Stitcher. a podcast called Self-Awareness is Your Secret Weapon. I did one season of eight episodes. and planning season two, and it's just me talking, short form. Yeah. And I was inspired I'll, I'll by... I listen to the first episode. I want to listen to the other ones. Sorry. Mm. No, thank you. Because uh, I was inspired by side hustle school by chris gillibo his episodes are like 10 minutes and he has like sponsors and ads within that and it's he's he's i think he's he's intentionally funny but it's so dry it's almost like you don't realize there's it every episode there's a pun there's loads of puns within it and it sounds so silly that it's actually quite good but I was really inspired by it's a short form podcast. It's mm. it, it's not very long. You can just listen to yeah. it and whatever. And some of yeah. my pupils have, have listened to mine and, and they like it. They've listened to them all. But what I found really useful was saying I'm going to do a set number of episodes. So I've got a, a set number of eight episodes per season. And then I'm going to do season two, which is eight episodes per season. And I'm doing a newsletter that goes with the podcast self-awareness is your secret weapon and i'm doing 
20 kind of episodes isn't the right word. I don't know. 20, I suppose it is the right word. 20, 20 newsletters. And I found that having a set number means I'll do it and then it's done. And then I'll think about whatever's next. And I found that useful with teaching tangents as well, knowing that the, are we, we, we knew we this was going to be the season finale. We know we're going to be talking about where we go next. I do, I do think we've explored. We're getting the same kinds of question about like what do you do with your life? What do you do with the university? How do you keep yourself like on track and all of that? I think we've yeah. we've done that. I think it's worth thinking about where we go next. But yeah. I suppose related to the question today's question, how much money have you made from the podcast? Which I think was given by one of my pupils because, of course, they're interested in nowadays. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to make loads of money from YouTube. I want to, like, you know, that whole nonsense. Do we? Do you think we should monetize this? And if so, how? I don't know. I mean, we don't have a lot of people watching this. That's true. I mean, uh, I mean. I don't know that you need to think about monetizing. Well, technically, you should grow an audience and then figure out what to do with it in terms of money. Yeah. But but that said, it's not necessary. It depends on your model. And yeah. I haven't really, to be honest, I mean, this is going to sound slightly embarrassing, but I've not really held a, a really, I'm, I don't feel like I'm super up to date with exactly what's going on in terms of broadcasting and sponsoring, sponsoring content. Like, you know, there's tons of different things going on in terms of like how you can get it. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about some of the traditional ones in terms of like, how can you monetize? Uh, so obviously sponsored content. Mm. Um, we could, you know, even if we don't have a lot of views, we could imagine working with a, I'm going to make this up, but a educational content portal of some kind or a, uh, educational book publisher, you know, like Pearson or something. Uh, I never thought to, uh, to you know to that then sell them to say hey we're we have this whole show it's around teaching tangents you sell books that go to schools uh, can we work out a deal and we'll I don't know we'll uh, you pay us and we'll sponsor your you sponsor us and uh, we'll uh, promote your products uh, we could have advertising just simply now advertising uh well, and we can we can just to begin with turn on the monetizing thing on the YouTube account so that there's advertising before before the videos. Well that's true. Never thought of that. But does doesn't that all depend on knowing who you want to speak to? What do you mean? Like who your audience is, knowing who your audience is and like the who the content is aimed at or does that not matter? It depends. If you're just turning on the ads on YouTube, mm -hmm. then they manage that. There's a few set. There's a few parameters that you okay. put together. I didn't know but, that. Uh, they, uh, I don't decide what would be advertised on my channel. They decide that it's their platform, and if people watch enough, people watch it. I'm going to get. You know, we we will get a little bit of money, given the number of people watching. It's not going to be a lot of money. <laughs> It's going to be fractions of cents, probably of pen of pennies or something, you know, at the moment, um, because having, I don't know how many episodes, how many people, I'm not sure what the numbers are at the moment, but we get what a dozen people watching an episode, maybe, maybe like up to 50. Well, one of the episodes has 11 views. 
Yeah, just like a reason. dozen is high. <laughs> and of the 11 views, two or three are probably us. Do you know, like, I don't think I've told you this. But so we're not really there on the fame and fortune glory type thing just yet. I like the way you say yet. Yes, yet. <laughs> the, but I don't think I've told you this. But So I, I've had my blog on Blogger since 2005. And mm-hmm. I've got all, I've got loads of posts. I go back, I go back and read the first post and I cringe. Oh my God. I, I, uh, I, but I've done so much writing on there. Like the, there's a few posts there about me going to vote in a general election with a Guy Fawkes mask and pictures and stuff like that. I've done that before. Oh, and, it's election day here as well, actually. Oh, so, and the kids have found it and they've read it and I've written a lot about masculinity and fertility and marriage and all sorts of nonsense on there. But I don't know how many years ago, it was over 10 years ago because we live in a house now. It was when we were living in a flat. In the post, I got a check from Google for £60 from my blog. And I was so excited and shocked. And I was like, how, what, why, how does, I didn't even know what I did or how I did You turned on something to have advertising on your blog. Yeah. But it, to so, get you're 60, earned, so the answer to the question is you earned sixty pounds. Yeah. From your contents. Yeah. Ten years ago. Frame and fortune, just right there on your doorstep. Yeah, except I haven't been able to replicate it because I don't know how I did it or what it was. I think you must have turned on an advertising feature. And I've tried. I've tried turning on advertising, like and having blocks of ads on my blog, but it doesn't seem to work. And Google keep telling me the what you the content's like not there and some other rubbish and of course in 10 years i changed from blogger a while ago they might have changed i don't know yeah no no it's still going i still add posts to it but the uh i'm I'm debating about moving to wordpress and all this kind of stuff but the whole like it's like since 2005 i've got stuff on there and i want to i I moved from blogger to um to wordpress and I need to change again. I, I need to get another solution for my website because it's too slow. It's clunky. It doesn't work right. And uh, and I've been I've been procrastinating that. Uh, I looked at a few themes and changing. Anyway, yeah, I need to do that. Because I'm I, the process of moving everything from Blogger to WordPress. I just think would be a nightmare. I don't know if I can be bothered. It's not that difficult actually, but well, it depends. I never actually entirely tagged all the old posts, but the old posts are pretty bad anyway. So. There's something that, I don't know, that in, in 10 years is like a lifetime in terms of internet advertising. It is, technology. and not that many people go look for content on blogs anymore. It's not that it doesn't happen at all, but um, anyway. Yeah, I need to make my site, I need to change my website anyway. So if does that mean people are using YouTube more and podcasts more because of lockdown, if they're not looking on blogs? Uh, I, I I don't know, to be honest. I, have, I don't know what the latest numbers say about that. Uh, I think it's just because uh, it's quite simply because uh, a lot of people are just consuming stuff on their phones and they're consuming the apps. So ah. Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, whatever. Uh, even the browser is not used uh, that much. And a lot of people don't uh, read, I think. I do. And I come across blogs, but I don't browse that much anymore. I do a little bit. Um, because I do still regularly read articles and publish my newsletter on a semi-regular basis. Um, I want to change that format as well. I don't like the way it is. Uh, 
but um, yeah, otherwise I'm not sure. Because the other thing that I've found shocking is Patreon. So the the idea of, I, I mean, as I understand, Patreon is people pay because they want to see more, get exclusive content. That's right. Is that right? Uh, yes, and I mean, yeah, I mean, that's another way that we can monetize. We can go on Patreon, and then people just sponsor us rather than a company sponsoring us. It's people sponsoring us, and there's multiple ways you can do that. People can give money uh, just ad hoc. People can mm-hmm. give money per episode published. So, you know, you're like, all right, I pledge to give you two pounds per episode published. And uh, and you can create incentives for people as well so that you make them part of a special club. And that's the okay. that's what comes in when you like exclusive content. And it's it's uh, that's just about incentivizing to for people to give a little bit more or to give altogether. To say that you know, not only are you supporting us, you're going to get behind the scenes conversations mm-hmm. or a special episode that's only for you, etc. So it's a subscription based idea of uh, uh, patronage, patronage, patronage. Do you say patronage? That? Yeah, yeah, patronage. yeah, patronage. That's hence the patron name, of course. The idea being that the people consuming the content support the content creator, and patron takes a cut, and uh, you know, that f- fits into that whole idea of one thousand true fans. From what's his face, Kevin? Yeah, and uh, and then Kickstarter people do that for Kickstarter as well. So there's some some popular content, so podcasts, etc. One way that they um, keep going is they raise every year the money they need for one season uh, through oh, their fans wow. as one Kickstarter campaign. Okay. And so they calculate everything they need to produce the podcast, to live off of it, uh, et cetera. And then they raise that money and it's like, you know, you support us for one more season, one more year. And, but that, or using things like Kickstarter depends on the quality of the pitch, right? So if you do a really good pitch, you get the money and the fans and then. Well, in this case, these are, this is something that has an audience, right? Okay. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and you need an audience to be able to be successful on Kickstarter. And it's uh, Kickstarter is um, so a lot of people finance things on Kickstarter. Um, and um, anyway, I could go into how that works. I'm not sure that's relevant right now. I, I was waiting for you to give me an answer on it because I want to know. Oh, but what's the question again? The, que- the original question we started with is how much money do you make from the podcast? And what we're saying is I, I was going to, I've got a story about Patreon that shocked me. And then we're talking about Kickstarter and you were saying how podcasts say podcasters pitch and, and say, give us the money on Kickstarter for a whole season. And they finance the yes. whole season that way, which right. I didn't know. I didn't know, but you said you need, need to have an audience for that to work. Yes. And generally speaking, when you start a Kickstarter campaign, you need people to know about it. So you need to have an audience to be able to communicate it. And people who don't have an audience are rarely successful. Their Kickstarter campaign. Okay. Uh, and it takes a lot of work throughout the campaign to keep communicating what's mm-hmm. going on with it to to get more people to join it, uh, mm-hmm. to join your campaign. And typically, most Kickstarter campaigns uh, operate on a... So imagine if it's 30 days, you're going to have a spike at the beginning of people participating because you're telling mm-hmm. everybody it's live, etc. And mm-hmm. you've done mm-hmm. work up front beforehand to get people excited about it, presumably. Uh, and then it's going to go quiet for most of the time. But you... Right, person managing the campaign is communicating nonstop 
but okay. you don't have that much pledge. So you have a big spike at the beginning, then it quiets down, you get a little bit of activity, and then another okay. big spike at the end. But you get a big spike at the end by virtue of having communicated throughout. Yeah. Most people who do Kickstarter campaigns that I know of or that I've heard of are wiped by the end of it. They're exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They're not sleeping for a month, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly they have another job. <laughs> well, yeah. So the thing that shocked me about Patreon was that I was I watched a video mm-hmm. because I'm a, I like the Beastie Boys. I think they're great. I was yeah. showing my pupils the video for three M two three MCs and one DJ, where uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the DJ Mixmaster. I don't remember his name. Just Mike, whatever his name is. He takes one record and he walks through the town and he goes underground and the Beastie Boys are there. One record on the decks does the whole song with one record and the Beastie Boys rapping over it. My pupils couldn't believe it. And then I found another video with a, I don't know, younger millennial, I don't know how old they were, younger than me, Uh reacting to this video and going, oh my God, the Beastie Boys are amazing. Like they'd never heard of the Beastie Boys or, or seen three MCs and one DJ. Hundreds of thousands of views. And like, I don't know how many like subscribers, loads and loads of subscribers, and then saying, you know, click the Patreon to for more reaction videos. I was thinking, what? This guy's reacting to a video that... Uh, reaction uh, was, videos are a big thing. I've never watched. I don't watch them, but I, I've watched quite a few walls, music but... ones. I've watched quite a few music ones of people listening to Rage Against the Machine for the first time, or like that Beastie Boys one. I couldn't believe how many views. Couldn't believe it. And and thinking this is what they do. They sit there with a with a a cool seat and they react to the video, talk about it. And like, now I'm not saying it doesn't take work and video editing and all of that skill. It definitely does. But even then, I was thinking. I can understand why the pupils I teach are very much like I'm going to be a YouTuber and yeah. make loads of money. Most people don't make lots of money. Most people are like us. Well, yeah. Well, but... actually, most people, not, I don't know about most people are like us. A lot of people producing and publishing content are like us insofar as they're just doing it. <clears throat> and then there's a whole category of people who want to be successful, are really working hard to find and grow an audience. Uh, and there's no guarantee of success. There's a lot of people that just, you know, don't have a lot of audience. And if you don't have a lot of audience, you can still you can still probably monetize because, you know, influencer marketing is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's a lot of PR agencies and influencer marketing agencies that um, uh, tout the value of the micro influencer and finding the right niche. So I don't know. I imagine that if I was a PR slash influencer company agency trying to sell those educational books I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. I would say, okay, let's find people who don't have a lot of audience, perhaps maybe a little bit bigger than ours, maybe like, you know, a few thousand people watching or something. Um, and, uh, and find those people, they won't cost a lot of money because they're not earning anything. So you give them pennies, the equivalent of, mm-hmm. and they'd be very happy with it. And it'll cost you a lot less than advertising on Google. And uh, probably, well, you'll have a captive audience because we have an audience. And if, if assuming that we don't know, or the influencer doesn't really know the value of their content, you know, somebody comes along and says, I'll give you $500. We're like, wow, great. Awesome. 
It just sounds like Wayne's World. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> not far off. It's kind of like, yeah. And I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. Then, yeah. But then uh, part of the intention is thinking about, you know, why would we why will we monetize and how do we monetize this and what this implies because then you're not free anymore you're being paid to do this uh and you're being paid to do it so you you have to abide you're signing a contract you have to abide by a certain amount of you're not we're just not just not just us anymore doing the like producing content mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of you know, I'm sure I haven't read much about that, but I'm sure there's a lot of articles questioning the authenticity, you know, of various influencers who are paid to produce content. Mm. This man likes goats. I have proof. <laughs> What's that? That's from Wayne's World, where he holds up the card. The card oh, right. Yes, 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 yes. And he, because, and then the whole selling out. That's all I'm thinking of, because. So it depends I, what you're doing, but if you're if you're I don't know like a cosmetics or beauty products channel, you know, showing how that works and reviewing products, there might be some doubt as to whether your reviews at some point become yeah. are completely um, objective. I mean, they're not objective because they're subjective. They're you're watching your reviews like a movie critic. We'll, we'll, mm-hmm. We appreciate your criticism because we like you know your perspective on beauty products. However, if you're being paid all the time, it does, I mean, it has, it does skew the perspective mm-hmm. at, at minimum, minimum, they always take into account the fact that you're being paid for this. Mm. Uh, so you're not going to trash them. You probably have a contract saying you're not going to trash them. Or if you do, be ready to lose it, mm. the contract. So I don't know. It's as people watch and appreciate. I think influencers. I need to go and research more. I'm not really clued in at the moment with the latest stuff on influencers because it's. And I know it's big, and last year I, I well, actually early this year I produced some slides for a client about influencer marketing, but it was, it was a broad perspective on numbers. It was not going detailed and deep into what different groups of people think about it. Do they, you know, do they think about it? But it's so vast. Um. You could go into any kind of area. I watch, you know, not really recently, but I'm I'm subscribed to a few YouTube channels of video game uh, reviewers and people. So they're influencers within the world of video games. Uh, so that I, I, you know, if I'm going to be interested in buying a game, I'll check out their reviews and their opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of those that I'm subscribed to are not sponsored. So they monetize their own audience. Um mm-hmm as in they advertise or they promote products, but they don't tend to work for the video game companies. They might work for other companies in the same way that video game streamers often might work for uh, or sponsor um, uh, like tech gear, microphones, their seats, their, yeah. you know, mouse pads. I'm making this up, but you know, all that stuff. Uh, so a lot of them tend to have like Logitech and other types of guys as their, you know, the technical side of things. That's another world that a student of mine was explaining to me about. And and he used to do when he was younger, like he got really good at destiny and he would stream his gaming and other, other people would pay him to get to a certain level. And then he'd give them like, I don't know, like different 
parts of the game like things like and he was he was doing pretty well but but it but the gate the it depends on the game and it moved from destiny stopped being as popular and he, he never really put the time to get good at another game and all of that i never until he explained to me i never knew what a massive thing it is Huge, yeah, huge, huge, and my my young the younger ones who are, so this guy was talking to me. He's like 17, 17, 18. My the, my form who are younger, so they're like 15, 16, They're all obsessed with Dream and his speed runs on Minecraft. Like this with Dream, yeah, he's a YouTuber who just. Oh, okay, cool. I, I, I didn't know that. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't. Know I'm that. not clued into who the popular YouTubers are at all. I, I mean, I neither know am I. Names, but... I, I, I know. I, but the the mm-hmm. idea of playing a game. I know my nephews watch other people playing games. Yeah. That whole world was a shock to me. Like they. Spent... Yeah, there's a huge world out there. Just like it's funny because I I was talking with a few other friends of my age mm-hmm. and. Um, while I do have some friends who stream role-playing games, and mm-hmm. uh, and I said I'm going to be on, it's going to be recorded and then published, not streamed. But um, uh, actual play of uh, tabletop role-playing games have become very popular, and that's part of the reason uh, Dungeons and Dragons has become so popular these days. Yeah, is thanks to big channels like Critical Role that I think we mentioned in the past. We have. But my point was, I was wondering and asking a friend once. I was like, well. Do you sometimes go and check out streaming channels, like you know, open Twitch and see what's going on? And and I was like, I don't. But I, a lot of people do because mm-hmm. they watch all the video games and games that we're talking about. I don't think about it behavior wise. It's not one thing that I w- I don't do that. I open YouTube perhaps to check out. Oh, I'll watch a video, but I don't think of opening uh, Twitch to. Uh, I'm subscribed to a few channels on on Twitch. I don't really use it much. Mm. Um. But it's never been part of my behavior and it's never been part of my interest. And I never got used to thinking, hey, I'll, let's turn Twitch on and see who's playing what and what's happening. I prefer to watch, um, well, either to play myself or read or, you know, yeah. watch videos, uh, you know, Netflix style TV shows and movies. Um, yeah. And it's not that I don't appreciate the scale of the video games because yeah. occasionally I got into. I occasionally got into watching a bit of esports and com- competitive. Uh, back then, it was a while ago. StarCraft Two. Um, that was I used to. Do, when was that? That was a long time ago. <laughs> Ten years ago. <laughs> Ten years ago. Um, and I watched a few. I start. I tried to get into League of Legends, mm. uh, which is insane. That's a whole like completely crazy yeah. world. Yeah. One of my students yeah. actually is a, is a video game streamer, and she plays a lot of League mm. of Legends. Um, so I watched the documentary on Netflix and I watched multiple videos to explain how League of Legends worked. I thought it was going to be something that I could understand similar to, uh, did I tell, did I talk about that story on this show? I can't remember. Um, what the, trying to understand League of Legends. Yeah, no, I hadn't talked about that. No, not that I remember. Oh, that's funny. Anyway. Yeah. I, so I opened the, there's a Netflix documentary about League of Legends. Okay. Okay. So I thought, oh, great, I'm going to watch that. It sounds interesting. And I, and I heard it's really big, and it seems to be kind of similar to what's going on on, uh, on games that I used to play back then of StarCraft or Warcraft. Uh, not World of Warcraft, the, the strategy game Warcraft 3, which is where one of the one of the original inspirations for that and for Dota, Dota, Dota 2. Um, 
which is another game. And um, so I opened it and I was like, oh, wait, I don't really understand League of Legends. I should go and look at a, some kind of like noob 101 League of Legends video on YouTube. And I went and, of course, I found a few. I just did a quick search. I find a few. Start one that is like, you know, very early beginner. How does it work? And I started watching it. And like five minutes in, I was like, I don't understand anything. He's <laughs> the guy's like, it's got crazy jargon and vocabulary. And I was like, wait, okay, I'm not, I'm not even good enough for that introductory, introductory video. I need to go watch another one, because even that guy was, he was destined, named to be a very watch this so that you get the whole world. And even that was too opaque, like too just too dense. Wow. So I had to find another one that really went just to the basics of explaining <laughs> what the game is about. Um, and it's um, so just in case, do you know what it is or? So I have the, a vague idea. It's a five by five. Uh, so it's five five versus five players. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you're on a map, which is always the same map. And you, you're five on one side of the map. And you need to go destroy the base of the other, of the other team, basically. Um, and there's a lot of different strategies for how to run across the map. And there's... So your character is your champion that has, like, mm -hmm. you know, unique powers and skills. Uh, there's a few different categories, and uh, and there's you have a choice between 144 different heroes with different power sets. They have different play styles, different, you know, you need to learn to play. Well, people don't play the 100. So anyway, it's, <laughs> you start watching that, and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on in this board. Um, and so anyway, it's the, uh, I really enjoyed learning about it and watching the documentary and how big a phenomenon this game and similar other games are yeah. in terms of co like esports competitive gaming. Um, but it also, it's extremely competitive. Yeah. It has a very bad reputation of like being completely, extremely toxic, particularly like toxic, you know, masculinity, misogynistic type thing going on. Um, and uh, they're trying to, they're, the game publishers are trying to improve that side of things. They, they're, I don't know, they're making efforts towards that. But there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. But certainly it's, it's, it's just regardless, extremely competitive. People mm. who are not competitive don't play that game. It's just, uh, it's very, very intensely competitive. And, uh, and it seems to be pretty complicated just to get a handle on how the game works at all. Yeah, well, I mean, the... It took me a while to get into Minecraft. Like I had to go and watch the noob videos at the beginning and all of that, which I did. And then I was like, okay. Because when I first played it, I was like, I have no idea what the hell's going on. Yeah. But it's immersive. And I really enjoy just tinkering and playing. I'm not really good, but it's it's really enjoyable, I find it. Yeah. I'm sure you get the same kind of enjoyment from playing role-playing games. Just in another world, like it, it's... Oh, I enjoy the creativity. I enjoy the yeah. the social side of it. I enjoy hanging out with people. I enjoy creating a story together. I enjoy interpreting a character. Um, it's a lot of fun. Like the session we had on Wednesday, which was our, our session zero. So we were talking about what we want from the game mm -hmm. and uh, starting to create the game, the characters, where we're going to play, what we're going to do, what we're interested in having included or not included. Uh, so it's kind of a brainstorming session. It was cool. So much fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, you could make money from that as well. I, as I said, uh, we're going to talk about that on the podcast tomorrow. Uh, you can make money from, you know, having a streaming channel where people pay you to uh, be there and sponsor your content. Oh, okay. And, or I see. Patreon. Yeah. yeah. 
there's the sponsored program on Twitch that I'm not sure exactly how it works, but there's also people that are very popular that Twitch just um, sponsors as in they're like, well, you're a top person that brings a lot of people to our channel. We'll just, you know, scoop you up and uh, now you, you can work for us and uh, you'll be our featured content in the same. And I think a similar way that Netflix will create a Netflix original. He's got stranger things. And that brings people to the platform in that same way. Twitch is going like, all right, great. You're a super popular player. Then, you know, let, let us hire you and you work only for Twitch. Um, I think there's programs like that. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I've not really looked. I'm talking about stuff that a little bit that I don't really know much about. I keep saying it. Uh, but I, that I, makes yeah. that it, it, the, it is all about capturing attention and capturing audience. How do you do that? How do you speak to people in a well, way? Particularly they when keep watching? The, the, the attention is the name of the game and everything that we're doing in marketing, mm. because there's way more things that you could pay attention to than you have hours in the day or time in your life. Mm. It would take lifetimes upon lifetimes upon lifetimes to be able to consume everything that's going on. Mm. You know, just like your students have never heard of Beastie Boys because it's just, you know, they, I, I I was chatting with somebody at that barbecue yesterday. I can't remember. She's like, she said, oh, you don't know this thing? And I was like, no, but I know a lot of things you don't. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I don't know this thing. Tell me about it. It was a band. I can't remember what it was, but, but it was just... You know, she's like, you really don't know this? Just like your kid, your student, your pupils, you go, you don't know the Beastie Boys? Here, you know, learn. But the, similarly, they'd be able to tell you about things you don't know, just like oh, yeah. that reaction video. Yeah. Uh, and, and we just, how to get the attention of people when hundreds of thousands of people are trying to do the same thing with or without money. You know, there's hundreds upon hundreds of big corporations, businesses that have the might mm. of enormous amounts of money. Mm. And then right next to them, you also have, which is driving those businesses crazy when, mm. for whom I work that are like some other next door person is, you know, making reaction videos of a Beastie Boy channel. And you're like, well, okay, wait, why are they not watching what I produced? Oh, they're just watching reaction videos at the moment. Oh, but, okay. Should I integrate that in my strat in my competitor <laughs> set? Is that, but yeah, the, that's who you're competing with. You're competing with when you're trying to sell something and get somebody's attention, you're competing with everything going on. You're competing with the time people have. So you're competing with Netflix. You're competing with a video game. You're competing with a walk in the woods. You're competing with a phone call. You're competing with TikTok and Instagram. And ish. it depends how many how many um, screens uh, people have on at the same time. And they, they are multiple. You know, their attention is already fractioned between the TV screen, their phone screen, their laptop, perhaps. But let's say at least two screens probably phone plus another one um but that's yeah i don't the, even know where i'm going with this anymore but because because i capture attention is a huge he's a huge challenge yeah so uh and, and some of the rules it's like to be very clear what you're doing to enjoy what you're doing whether you're going to get money from it or not is probably a good idea mm -hmm. uh that you better be sure that you're liking what you're doing even if nobody ever watches it um there are techniques, of course, to try to get more attention because the attention is fractured, uh, fragmented, sorry. To, you know, people are going to go like, you need to only only do three minutes because otherwise people don't watch it. On the other yes. hand, there are and, there are plenty of long form podcasts that I enjoy. Yeah. I don't know, you exactly. enjoy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, um, so being very clear what you're trying to do and the consistency works. 
So I don't know that we probably should do something about our show and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. But one thing that does work is that we're pretty consistent with the time and the place that we do it and the frequency of publishing. That works. And I really enjoy the conversations. Me too. And we've said this before. <laughs> I enjoy the conversations with you, whether people watch it or not. It's true. And some people have told me we have good energy. They've enjoyed it. Um, and a lot of podcasts tend to be just, you know, people chatting. Well, this is the thing. Like, I've listened to podcasts where I just think, how is this? How are loads of people listening to this? I could do better than that. You know, the, it's it is it is interesting to think that. But I like the fact that, yeah, like you said, I, I talking to you is hilarious. There's always something. There's always something really funny or profound every episode, mm-hmm. and the. <laughs> There is there always, but but the it's become part of my life. Every Sunday morning, like my wife knows, I'm going to be chatting with Willem. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to do a little workout. I'm going to like go make coffee, have have a shower, make coffee, get online, and chat to Willem. That's how, and we'll talk about whatever randomness that is out there that works now whether that can and i and i have had people say they really like the idea of tangents and teaching and putting you on the spot and you just go wherever you go they really like that yeah so and that's from two i've had that from people who are our age but also from an 18 17 year old okay so that there's something in it for sure i like the idea of, of of and you made me think of it of approaching an educational publisher and saying like, you know, this is what we do. We've, we're, we're encouraging people to ex- young people to explore ideas and thinking from a whole range of perspectives. And, you know, critical thinking is, is an A level that people can study in the UK. Uh, whether we're th- teaching people to think critically, I don't know, but certainly question everything goes to the heart of what I think I what something that I've, strongly think is important and i think you do too but also ideas and yep. don't be afraid to go try something and, and see where it goes so i i don't know and i don't really care whether we make money from this it would be nice you know but i'm not massively bothered about it because because i enjoy the conversation yeah exactly i just I don't know. And I, I don't I know do... whether we should do something different to have more people watch it. I should certainly. So one thing that I'm definitely not doing, and we say that all the time, <laughs> is I'm barely promoting this thing. I'm not sending it to anybody. So of course, it's just like you don't you don't tell anybody. It's not really uh, getting more people watching or more of an audience. We're not really paying attention to the live stream right now. I don't know if anybody's watching it. I'm not promoting it. I'm not putting it up. But, but I've not been using uh, social media as much as I used to. Mm. Uh, which is also part of the, I'm not, I've not, I'm not super on top of, um, you know, the latest trends in influencer marketing or how Twitch is functioning. Partly I've been busy with other things. Um, yeah. And I, I have all the content from my classes, from my courses that I want to put online at some point talking about podcasting content that I should put on, you know, Skillshare or some other similar website. Uh, anyway, at some point, but yeah, I'm not really promoting it. I'm not really tweeting much. I'm not really posting on Facebook all that much. I've started again only because I started going out again this week. I have to say, I really enjoy doing my one minute video, which recently, I don't know if I've told you about, I've, 
I use an app. So I like the square video on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I record it on that. But yep. it, and there's a limit of one minute. But what yep. I've started to do is shorten it to 15 seconds and using InShot, make a little bit of text appear here. Like for the full video, go to link in my bio or jamesandsusan.com or whatever. But 15 seconds means I can post it as a story on Instagram. But I, I then also post it on a story on Facebook and WhatsApp and LinkedIn. It's just the same stuff, just used all over the shop. So, yep. uh, but I've been posting a one minute video on Instagram every Monday for over a year. I've done it like, yeah, it's coming on for 18 months. I haven't missed a week and I enjoy doing that. It pushes me to actually have more people following you. The, the, the followers are good. Yeah. I get random people suddenly following me, but then I think it's an audience thing. So I have a lot of ex pupils. Who, who start following me, but then also a lot about masculinity, fertility, following me as well. I found that what I comment on, the post that I leave an intelligent comment on, not just a heart, that tends to lead to more people following. Hmm. Same on LinkedIn. Just I I get irritated when I see like I get so I've got some colleagues who post on LinkedIn, and it's yeah. so generic as to be pointless. So I'll reply with asking a question or something specific and, and it stimulates a conversation. And then I find other people will start following or checking out my profile. It's a, I found I that. Get back to publishing more, more stuff on social media, including LinkedIn, particularly, to be, particularly LinkedIn. Yeah. And, but, but I, it's repurposing the same stuff. So I, you know, I don't, I certainly think, and, and it's a, it's a real, it's really difficult to do to take a snippet of what we're talking about. And is that hard to do? Yeah, it is. No, I mean, it's not hard to do. We talked about it a bunch of times. It's just I don't have, I, I didn't have the time. I, I need to hire somebody to do it or take the time to do it. It takes time. Yeah. I don't know. So the, because those snippets, I think there are a couple of things that you said have just been so brilliant. I agree. More it's people need to know about be able it. To, well, yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. You do. You have so much cool stuff to say. Whenever I ask you a question, you give a cool answer to something or you say something really cool. Those would go off really well on a little short somewhere. But I don't know. It's And then maybe that would lead to more people watching Teaching Tangents. I don't know. Who knows? But If we promote it... They will come. I don't, I don't. <laughs> huh? If you build it, they will come. I don't know. Well, well having it there is not sufficient, as we can see from this video, right? Yeah. Yeah, but then it all goes back to, and I know you like to bring it back to this. But why? Why are we doing this? What do we want to get from it? Where's it going? You know, like that. If you are actually watching this, leave a comment. Leave a comment, and you're watching yeah, this later. Most people don't. Do you comment? Most on people don't videos? leave comments. No, most people don't. Don't say what you enjoy. How often do you? leave comments on I sometimes do particularly because I am a content creator. So I know it makes a difference when you hear a positive feedback, but the vast majority of people don't do that. Don't post reviews about podcasts. Don't send a note to say, Hey, thank you. I really enjoyed this. We take it for granted that it's free and we take the time and the effort of people for granted on the internet. Most of the time. That's true. I do comment on, I comment on Instagram and, or comment on people Facebook. will comment 
don't really co- i do comment on youtube occasionally occasionally on youtube but yeah. um were you going to yeah, say the vast ads majority or people... Of people don't comment the vast majority of people now the internet is free and we take it for granted that all this content is there and uh and people don't realize how much time and effort people have spent producing it and yep. publishing it. Yeah. And that's when you joke about your pupils sometimes saying, well, I'm going to get rich on be a YouTuber. That's fine. Most of them don't realize that it takes a hell of a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. Uh, it's a full-time job for people who are, mm. you know, they're mm. producing, recording, watching other videos, participating with other, with other YouTubers, it's uh it, it takes a lot of time so and it's you they have you have no guarantee of success either yeah um, yeah you have to spend all that time and nobody's paying you for that at first i've spent a lot of time on my podcast and a lot of time on this and that's where at some point i go yeah it'd be great to isolate three minutes and do the best of and publish that how much time do i want to spend on it yeah the hours go by extremely fast. This whole week, I I should be publishing, writing, prospecting for new clients all the time. And this whole week went by and it's Sunday and I haven't done any of that because I was busy with other things all day. I was marking, I was, you know, and I did go out as well, but. Um, Didn't you say uh, that? I was, uh, I was apartment hunting and that is extremely time consuming extremely time consuming and i'm going to move and that's going to consume a lot of time again mm. so and i know you're really good and we talk about productivity and organizing your day and scheduling the scheduling goes out of the window extremely fast yeah uh when you have emergencies and other things come up and it's very easy to spend hours on editing a video it, it really takes a while like well so even just you know, if I was going to take the five minutes or two minutes of, of comment that uh, in a video that you said were really good, I'm going to have to watch for, it's going to take me at least an hour to isolate where that is. Even if I double speed it, because I would uh, when I'm editing, it, you know, it would take me 20, 30 minutes probably to isolate the parts I want. And but anyway, by the time you're finished with that, it's, it's probably an hour or two minimum. Yeah, so true. So true. I would. You've made me think of that, and I haven't bought it yet to start reading it. Uh, Daniel Kahneman's latest book isn't. It's all oh, about cool. the. Isn't it all about the difference between? I did see it advertised in the bookshop. Difference between what's worth paying attention to and what's not, like noise versus signal. Is that is that what it is? You, a, you were talking it's about it, weren't you? Called noise. It's about the noise in our head. Oh, so it's, oh, that's different. Oh, okay, the noise in our head. All right, I'm going to start reading that this week. Uh, in short, I think that's what it's about. I, I, I watched the conversation uh, of his on YouTube, but I can't remember it right now. I'd like to read that too. Yes, for sure. I'm still yeah. slogging through here with a thousand faces. And I've been reading a few <laughs> novels. I've been reading a few novels, and that's been fun to read something completely different. That wizard, wizard, uh, wizard, private detective stories, investigator. That's dressed. Dresden Files? I need the to Dresden read that. Files. I think I'd love it's it. It's fun. It's fun. I think you'll love it. It's really cool. There's uh, Talking about bad puns, the whole book is riddled with bad puns. Uh, and some of them are actually quite, you know, some of them are like, I did highlight that. I was like, oh, this is actually quite funny. I did, and I'm, I'm, I did laugh and smile throughout. It's quite fun. 
it's just a series of you know a series of just like everything going wrong for the character and it's very quickly read and it's fun you know i have a colleague who's constantly telling appalling jokes <laughs> appalling and it, he'll what's worse is he'll tell you the same joke like four times and he he thinks he hasn't told you he's one of those guys and it, he he also tells all the pupils the same jokes for example for example mm-hmm. that uh apparently in in america there's a new well no, apparently there's a big trend that's coming out for people to play games with playing cars that are like six feet tall it's kind of a big deal awesome and then it just goes like because he's got like six of them all on a theme fantastic i love that stuff yeah like he's so, like the we close? Like, we've, we've, been, we've been rambling and not talking about the question for like 30 minutes now we have talked about the question. You just haven't realized. No, but it. we're not we're really rambling on all sorts of other things that are vaguely related to the topic. Yes, we'll close. We're we'll just like filling, I feel like we're just filling airtime. I didn't feel like that. Which is okay. You might feel like huh? that. I didn't feel like I, that. I've okay. learned something. Okay, have, all right, great. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, that was my pen making a noise. I should stop that. The yeah, so the question was how much money do you make from the podcast? The short answer on no to negative and maybe we will in the future maybe we won't maybe we won't but teaching tangents will continue in some way shape or form because these conversations are a lot of fun for both of us yes any plans for the summer not yet don't know okay. reading i'm moving house oh when are you moving? probably go see my family to the south of france you're moving soon right yeah a couple of weeks I need to confirm it exactly when. I'll probably right. be moving around the 10th of July-ish. Okay, that's around the time where we have a strategy planning meeting for Teaching Tangents to that's right. pick our audience, set our objectives, work out how we're going to monetize and write a full... If we monetize, I'm not sure. ...20-page brief to put on your blog about how we're going to do yes. it. All of that, Charles. Great. Thank you. Thank you as ever. All right.